Ah, good luck. Puts on the step, goes right through, puts on the step again. Oh, go pretty. That was magnificent stuff. Well, I shall not believe them. Marshall skips away, Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Mullins opens up again. Oh, look at him go. He beats O'Davis on the outside. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast that is disappointed to find its now regular host is back. Chippy, we know you don't listen, but we certainly love listening to you. Pre-recording live from the Sports Best Friends studios, I'm your host Big T, of whom views are my own. These said views are done with an air of confidence and comfort as they are seen from inside of Big T's tea. On the show today, Latrell versus Roosters. Who do we learn more about, Storm and Eels? Why can't the Gold Coast Titans take the next step and proposed rule changes? With us today is a man checking he still has both his cheekbones intact. It's the sober version of Chip Jones, Xander Rizzo Risotto. How are you, sir? Yeah, good, mate. And Rizzo, of course, is the uh, the loose lady on uh, Greece. I just want that known publicly. And uh, on a scale of Brett Morris to Joey Manu, where are the Roosters' grand final hopes currently, mate? Oh, I think they are. Uh, <laughs> they're jelly minded, mate. I think that's probably a better way of putting it. We we have been bashed out. I think it's probably <laughs> yeah, looking ugly too. Counting uh, how many working hamstrings he still has at his disposal. It's the old athletic version of Chip Jones, Mario Mazo Siegs. How are you, sir? Well, it's quite a, quite a day, quite a weekend, and. I'm happy that to see my team in the top four where they, you know, their rightful place in the world and with no refereeing <laughs> controversies at all, of course, you know, nothing, nothing at all controversial. Yeah, of about course. That game. No. Now, of course, Mazo is what people often did when um, thinking about Rizzo. So I'm glad that you're both there in a team together. And on a scale of Tom scoring a try in Perth rain in origin game two to Tom scoring, or should I say being awarded a try on the weekend against the dogs, where are the Sea Eagles grand final hopes currently? Well, I mean, with uh, with Souths now ruled out of running, we're, we're now the, the third most likely team to win a grand final, which is not a not a bad place to be. And excitingly, we have the man himself, the man who, above all others, shouts the loudest at clouds. Eamon Broz Brown. How are you, sir? Mate, uh, I'm well, thanks, T. It's nice to be here. Um, I guess I'm just recovering in the same way that Manu is in, uh, you know, in ICU at the moment. Uh, is the, are the Roosters allowed to apply for a victims of crime allowance <laughs> at this point of the season? Because it just seems as though rampant assaults have been allowed to be perpetrated on the tricolours. And I'm just wondering if we can get some financial restitution. Well, I welcome you to my podcast where you don't ask questions. Now, on a scale of Josh to Brett, <laughs> how excited are you about drinking their froth as they seem to have a beer coming out? Well, creaming semen, obviously. I'm very, very excited. <laughs> now, you, you put that in the chat. Is that a real thing? Because I've been looking it up. I've been wasting so much internet on it if it's not a real thing. Is it a real thing? Do, do I look like QAnon to you? Do you think I'm just throwing out furfies? Obviously, this is a real thing. In fact, Josh said during his uh, retirement announcement today that uh, the reason he's really hanging up the boots is to pursue his lifelong dream to become a, a microbrewer with his brother, uh, mm. which I guess would explain his beer gut. <laughs> and, uh, but you also said furfy in there, which I don't know was a very clever pun or another way to tell me it's not real. I don't know. It's very confusing for me. Obviously, your nickname, Bros, makes no sense, and it's because I'd already written these uh, terrible LinkedIn jokes uh, before I knew you were coming. Now, Riz... Uh, let's get this out of the way. How fucking fucked off were you watching a near tearful Manu implore Latrell to explain why he attempted to murder him? Yeah, so I think anyone who followed my my um, Twitter reaction knows that I was was less than pleased, putting it mildly. Um, uh, it was it was just disgusting. Like, I mean, I was I was pretty furious. Uh, goes without saying. Um, the fact that you know Latrell apparently yelled out afterwards and you could kind of see it at the time, you know, I don't need to apologize. He was defiant and didn't think he'd done anything wrong. And I know you're all going to yell at me for, you know, bringing it up, but it just struck me as a perfect example of if, if this was in rugby, he'd be gone for a year. <laughs> like there would be no debate about it whatsoever. They wouldn't, it wouldn't have had to go to the, the bunker to check if something happened. 
they would have just seen shoulder to face and they're like, yeah, mate, you're gone for the game. That's it. Um, and, you know, Robinson was right uh, to to have to single them out because it's just ridiculous. Like, yeah, he's right. Manu had to get Manu had to get out to defend himself and make a scene for them to, to take notice of it. And no, we're not a hypocrite, mate, because we don't actually uh, think that this shouldn't happen to our players. We're happy if our players get sanctioned for, um, for for high contact. And, you know, we've said that on the show. But, you know, the, the fact that it's been a trend this year where they've, they've, the players have needed to raise the issue for the bunker and the referees to take notice is, is starting to get a, bit, a little bit irritating. Mario? Oh, I actually agree with everything Xander said, if I'm being honest. <laughs> the, the players only get penalties. They only get awarded anything by staying down and pretending to be injured. And, mm. when, and when they are actually injured, the ref then yells at the injured player. And you're like that photo of the ref just screaming in Manu's face, basically. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Manu should have been... I don't think anyone would have objected had Manu walked over and clocked... Latrell, because then that would have forced the refs to send Latrell off because they would have been giving Joey Manu 10. There's no way in hell they wouldn't have given Latrell a bigger punishment at the time as well. So maybe that would have been a good you know, strategic decision for Manu to make. Uh, but it's just ridiculous. And this happened in multiple games this weekend where people simply had to stay down because it was very clear refs weren't going to call anything. In fact, the only thing that I saw them call without someone staying down was when that bulldog grabbed um, Marty Tapao by the hair, and then Andrew Voss went went full. Um, oh, he uh, he was asking for it by having long hair. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, Browntown. Latrell Mitchell looked like, as he said, he was defiant, wasn't he? I don't understand how someone that you've actually you know come through the ranks with, you consider a good friend, comes up to you with a face that looks a bit like Tommy Lee Jones at a Batman Forever, and you don't have any remorse. <laughs> and when it comes to the punishment, I think. And I'm just proposing here on the show right now, live, that Latrell Mitchell should get one week for every plate put into Manu's face. So he should be out for about 18 weeks, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, this isn't a situation like when um, Curtis Scott punched Dylan Walker and, you know, he only got two weeks and Dylan Walker was out for six. The fact is everyone cheered that because Dylan Walker deserves to be punched in the face <laughs> a whole lot, lot more times. It's a very different situation. Now, um, Xander, how do you respond to clients suggesting that he'd seen it, they were going to penalise it, but because oh, it's wow. um, because it's foul play, they're allowed to play an advantage for an entire set? Yeah, that, and- that I don't, I, I'm not sure what planet he's coming from because i've never seen that happen in the game happened this year you know, so, twice this year i haven't i don't remember any instances where a player was that badly injured and they just played an advantage and kept going yeah so not, when, no, sorry, not badly the injured, but the, it's when there's such uh there's foul play so often when uh someone's taken out in a late pass or something like that where it's it's foul oh, yeah, play yeah, and yeah. Things no, like i know that. what you mean yeah no, like late, late late takes on kickers i've seen that sort of where, no, 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 no. Sorry. sorry. I mean, played. I mean, it's often three or four. It can be a tackle two hmm. that they'll make it down and they'll get to the last tackle, they'll kick and then they'll penalize them and take them back to it was in tackle two. It's happened a bunch of times this year, and I know because captains often complain about it and, and Twitter's complained about it. Whether or not, even even if that's even if that's true, do you think that was a time to do it, or do you think it even maybe looks, you know, uh, 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 insensitive or you know? Discompassionate. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I, I hadn't, I hadn't noticed the, you know, the games where that's happened. I, I didn't think that this was one of those cases. You could just see right. immediately Manu, Manu had been hit really bad, and it's, it's been interesting watching people trying to post up different uh, versions and you know, people having a go at uh, the Roosters players for sticking up for Manu and all the rest of it. Um, but you know, his his face blew up like a boil, right? Like it just looked, looked very, very ugly very quickly, and. Yeah, they, they, that was one of those ones where they immediately just needed to stop and send him to the bin. You know, grant them penalty. Like it was, it was, it was ug- that ugly. I don't think you know if 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 he copped him around, you know, the years and it was a just a penalty, you know, and, and the player was fine, then yeah, sure. But if 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 a player is down very badly injured, yeah, it's not it's not an excuse for that. Yeah. So the referee would know at the time how injured he is. The, the issue I have with that um, penalty or that rat ruling is that it implies that points are more important than anything else. So the, the mm-hmm. idea of that ruling is that Manu throws that pass, gets hit horribly uh, and unjustifiably. Uh, the ball goes into someone's hand and then, a, and, you know, in the next tackle they score. 
and that that's okay because once that happens, they then can't penalise. Well, they won't penalise yeah. the trail. Well, then there's, then there's no sin bin or send off, right? Like that's they, exactly they've right. Made advantage. Yeah, and and not only that, that you know whatever happens to Manu was was cost uh, a try, and that was you know that's what it's all worth. So it's it's an unusual. It's an unusual ruling that kind of makes sense in one way if you think the entire game is about winning, but also from a from a humans a humans perspective, it's pretty it's pretty horrible. Eamon, I've got a sizzling feeling that you've got something else you want to say about this. But oh, it's endless uh, because that's the way <laughs> you know anger and fury is. But I don't know if you got track yeah. this or not. But a bit of a sidelight to the story um, that every all the action that was happening out there. Apparently, the roosters bench were winning mm-hmm. themselves up into mm-hmm. a further, and it was revealed today that. Jared Hargraves was actually so angry that he had to actually thrashed the face of a Channel 9 cameraman just to feel a bit better again. Uh, he has actually legitimately been investigated by the NRL for making contact with a cameraman who apparently, according to Jared, got a bit too close to Manu as he made his way off with half a face. And your coach was also abusing one of the South players, allegedly. Well, that's fine. The one that wasn't Latrell. Yeah, it's still good. Fair still enough. good with me. Okay. Who are you yeah, talking no, about there? Which... Uh, Jaden Sewer came out and said that um, Trent Robinson was like yelling abuse at him or something along those lines. No, it wasn't. Oh, he, didn't, wow. he didn't say it was Robinson. He said it was the the um, the, the players. So it was it was the players on the sideline, and uh, Robinson was trying to was was basically trying to calm them down. Mm. So apparently, it was I think Hargraves and a few of the others had <laughs> called him a dog. Uh, and a few things. So it wasn't wasn't Robinson who was yelling at him. One thing um, that don't you... want you to get don't want you to get sued. No, 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 I did say allegedly. <laughs> One thing you said yeah, in there, yeah. Big T, was um, about, you know, point of Xander might have said it, the points are more, it seems like points are more important. But the thing is, they showed on the weekend in that Storm game that points or the, the sport is more important than the players when, um, what's his name, Pappenhausen, with a long history of concussion this year, was very clearly, in my opinion, my, my non-doctor opinion, concussed in that game. And yet he never got HIA. He never went off. He just went, got back up and kept playing when he looked dazed and out of it. Uh, they did just, a preliminary HIA assessment on the field. They did. Sorry, yeah. a preliminary HIA because the A is assessment. But the um, yeah. So well, I agree. I'm not. I'm not saying that they did, but they do. They did do the protocol. It's just the person making that assessment perceived him to be um, cleared. I know it's a bit weird. He looked, and I mean the way he came out of it, it looked weird. But I guess we aren't doctors. He, he looked like he was holding his neck. And obviously the whiplash is, is a big part of that um, concussion problem. It's just concerning. Um, yeah, they, yeah, kept playing. And- it, it didn't look like there was much in the head. It did seem to be more the, the bounce. Yeah. Look, I, I don't yeah. know if it's uh, the right time, see, but this is a, a bit of a blast from the past. Um, I have actually put out a voluntary tackle poll. Um, which is <laughs> yes, been a long, finally. long time. Yeah, long, long time. So um, <laughs> if you, you allow me, I'll just give the results here. I did ask our listeners how many weeks should Latrell Mitchell sit out for? For the Manu hit, I gave the options of one to two weeks, three to four, five to six, or longer than six. And 50% of the vote went for longer than six. So if you're yep. trying to determine where the rugby league zeitgeist is, it's certainly not on Latrell Mitchell's side. No, and and I um I would imagine that he should get more than that. He probably I know it was six or nine, but if you see if you were trying to defend him. And you, and you try and look at the rest of that footage, particularly when he scores that try, throws the ball down, and you see Tedesco with pure disdain and dislike, you know, telling him gently that you're not a very nice human at the moment and please don't be in our vicinity. It was hard to then defend him later saying, you know, everything was a mistake and he was, on, you know, whatever you would say to try and defend him, it was not going to happen after he made that try celebration, throwing that ball near that player. There was a little wonder, we'll put it this way, that... Um, uh... Uh, Takeaho and Hargraves apparently didn't let him into the dressing room after the game when he apparently wanted to go in and check on Manu. They basically told him to get fucked, and I'm glad they did because the way he carried on afterwards when he came back onto the field, that's what made me angrier. Like, you know, the fact that he, that, you know, that he yelled he didn't need to apologise was one thing, and that was bad enough, but the way he carried on with the, the arrogance and, and the thuggishness that he carried on with was just... It was just blood boiling. Could I play you know, devil's he, advocate? He, he, no, you fucking can't. I'm going to finish my point. <laughs> <laughs> because he throws the, like he has just broken his best mate's face. And then after he bowls over a couple of small reserve grade players who have, who have you know, been brought into an already rabid side, <laughs> he arrogantly throws it down 
right next to the face, full force, basically threatening to injure somebody else. It's just no, there is no defense to that. It is, <laughs> it is just absolutely like it, it is, it is, it is on the in the same category. If it had hit him in the face, it's in the same category as that punch in the head on the ground in the Super League a couple of years back, where the player was just lying prostrate and he's punched straight in the face, full force. The fact that it's a ball doesn't make any any better, and there's no defense for it. I can't wait to hear your devil's avocado, though, media. Why don't you go for it? I actually agree, again, with basically everything Xander just said. Uh, this podcast used to be so much better before. I but my devil's advocate is that JWH is the perfect example from the Roosters where he's a bit of a cunt on the field, but everybody says that he's an amazing bloke off the field. Latrell was trying mm. to go into the sheds after the game he might, you know, I'm assuming that in theory, he might be a lovely bloke off the field, just a bit of a hothead on the field. So I would just think that it might have been, you know, the right thing to do to let him in, but maybe they, their heads hadn't cooled down enough and it was, you know, sensible to keep him out because they were all pretty fired up. So I do understand that, but I'm saying he might be completely unhinged on the field, still a nice bloke off it, et cetera. Yeah, Zandel, how do you feel about him going to the hospital maybe now or yesterday to go and see him? Yeah, look, I don't know, mate. Um, it's a tough one. I think that's one of those things where, you know, t- they say time heal- heals all wounds, uh, all wounds, and I think it will eventually, but I'd be a bit raw if, if, I'm, um, if I'm in the hospital after that's just happened and what's just happened, you know, watching him carry on the way he has, I'd have been inclined to tell him to get fucked. I'm not talking to him for a while. Yeah, yeah and look, sure. I also understand, I completely understand that, and, and I'm a normal person like you, so I would, I'd be amazed if I could ever forgive someone Am I doing that to me on purpose? But I do know from even even in grassroots football, people are so weird and act so differently while playing that contact sport. I think it has a lot to do with because you're constantly being contacted, your brain puts you in a different uh, way of thinking. And so I can, I could, if you were from that world, it might be easier to excuse people having grown up in a world where you see people act very differently in two different situations. So there's a chance maybe Manu can do that for him. I'm to not a telling point, him to, like, but he could. To a point, like I think to a point um, that's true, but I think it's it's just degrees. Like I mean, Mario's just pointed out that Hargraves has got you know he's 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 um you know pretty aggressive on the field. I've never seen Hargraves do anything like carry on quite like that. He can be he can be pretty um, over the top, and you know he's got a rap sheet as long as your arm. Um, but you know just the level, like it, it was it was the it was the carrying on with it afterwards. Like yeah, people yeah. have been bringing up um, you know. Examples of, of Hargraves having been penalised through the Liam Knight tackle a couple of years ago. They're like, look, he's done, done something just as bad. Um, and every time they bring up an example, generally Hargraves, when a player's injured, he's looking very worried um, and he's not sitting there yelling over the top of them. And that's kind of, for me, the difference. It's like he plays the game hard, but when it looks like there's something serious has happened and it is somebody's health and safety, he's not there in glee pumping up over it. Mm. I guess the other issue is we we haven't seen um we haven't seen Jared Rihera Hargraves score a try after doing it because he doesn't score very <laughs> yeah, many. Maybe you would recommend. <laughs> sorry, that's all right. Look, just to the point that this could be a case of of white line fever. Obviously, this exists, and and Jared's a pretty good example of it. But I'm just going to put this to the panel. You know, several South players were interviewed today, long after the event, um, and obviously quizzed. It's the big topic of the week. Mm. They were quizzed about. The tackle and whether or not what they thought about it and not one of them appeared to be particularly repentant about the incident they all said they loved the way they all went to the same default answer that they love the way Latrell Mitchell plays look so do I I just don't like the fact when you know you destroy someone's face and not one of them condemned it or even said it was reckless so uh, for me this is actually something that's a bit cultural at South Sydney I, I believe Latrell Mitchell has this, you know, innate aggression in him. It's what makes him wonderful to watch. But the rat bagness, I think, is something that he's really cultivated over at Redfern. I think um, we can see that from the way the coach talks about it um, week in, week out. I think that they they don't want to cage the beast. It's about winning. And they're prepared to go outside of the lines of the rules to win. Personally, you know, I, I as Xander said before, I love his aggression. I hate his disrespect. Yep, that's a great way to put it. Uh, now, speaking of cultural uh, things of playing outside the lines to win at all costs, Mario, you'll be so excited. It was so great to see you on the weekend 
seeing you in hand in hand like that meme of two strong arms clasped together celebrating the Eels win, or in your case, the Storms losing. Yes. What were your major takeaways from that game, sir? Well, my major takeaway was fuck the Storm. But honestly, <laughs> I was cheering. I mean, anytime anyone plays the Storm pretty much, except in very rare circumstances, I just feel like I'm cheering for that other team, no matter who they are, like they're my own. And, you know, I'm cheering for every every move that every Parramatta player makes and every tack, every good tackle they make. I just would get really excited about. And, yeah, I loved it. So it was nice seeing the storm come down to earth a little bit. I am concerned, mm. of course, that that's just the loss they needed to have. And now they're just going to get better from it. But, you know, we can hope that it's actually a sign that there's weaknesses that others can exploit. I mean, do you believe in the loss that you have to have? I kind of no, do. Oh, sorry, Eamon. Oh, sorry. I said Eamon, Mario. Sorry. Oh, my God. Sorry. Things falling apart. See, we have three people on the panel now. We can't keep count. <laughs> Eamon, That's go right. I'll, I'll, I'll go after Beryl. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, look, I uh, I don't believe in it, actually. I think that's, um, that's in the, the ballpark of people who say you need to lose a grand final to win one. I think there's... Obviously, there's less precedent for, you know, undefeated teams going all the way. But, you know, the Tricolors have done it in the 70s. Big shout out uh, to the great Arthur Beetson. Um, so I don't think necessarily that is the case, even though Cameron Munster was making sort of jokes about that during the week. Um, I think that had more to do with the fact that he was having a large bet on it and sports bet. Allegedly, <laughs> put a big asterisk next to that. I, I take oh, all of that. Use our sued. own individually as well. I had nothing to do with that comment. <laughs> Uh, but um, but I will say this, it was, to me, I don't know if any of you guys had the same thoughts on that game. To me, it was just as much as the Melbourne Storm were flat, Parramatta all of a sudden came to life. I thought it was a resurgence and a deflation on both sides uh, of the aisle there. I, I hadn't seen Parramatta play quite as direct like that in a long time. It's good to see there's still life in it, to be honest. Resurgence and deflation is the name of the sex tape. And um, the interesting thing about the... Oh, eight grand final that Mar- that uh, Mario won. You had to lose in 07. Am I remembering that right, Mario? Well, or was a storm lost it? No, we, we did lose in 07, yes. Yeah, great. Uh, so I was just trying to also trying to remember the one that you guys won in 2012. You guys lost in 2011. Is that right, Eamon? Um, you talk, you're talking about the Roosters now? No, we just yeah. we won uh, 2013 from nowhere. We were terrible. Oh, no. Sorry, it was yes, the we like 2 one. The year two, you it was no, no, 02. 02, 02, we'd lost in 2000 and in 2001, yeah. the and the Eels were playing. Um, yeah. yeah. And then you also lost then- in 04 to the Bulldogs. <clears throat> I'm just trying to remember because you guys all had to lose grand finals to the Tigers this one straight up in 2005. That's what I was getting to. Great. Let's keep going. Rizzo, <laughs> are, the Eels, are, the Eels, Rizzo are the Eels back? Look, I mean, you know, the old saying is... Uh, uh, one swallow does not make a summer, but um, it was impressive, wasn't <laughs> is it? Is that another sexual reference or what? Fuck no. <laughs> one swallow doesn't make a summer. It's Sorry. a bird, mate. Get your head out of the gutter. It's a bird. Okay? <laughs> I'm sure it is. That's the name of your sex tape. <laughs> just not know that saying. Um, <laughs> anyway, but uh, it was one of those games where, um, yeah, like Parramatta um, just had all the intensity and the focus it kind of felt like. And the Storm were a little bit off their game, but it kind of felt uh, as well... Uh, as though um, you know, just power were forcing them into errors. They were making a lot of uncharacteristic errors, but they it did they did feel like they were a result of pressure. So it's going to be, make for an intriguing match going in against the Panthers. That said, I do think mm. the Panthers they, they play a slightly different game. Um, you know, it's a much more controlled um, game than Melbourne, um, and I think that Para might struggle a bit with that. So if, in, in a weird sense, yeah, maybe maybe. Um, uh, for Para, the big problem is getting over Penrith. It seems as though they, they can produce a game that troubles Melbourne. But um, to date, doesn't seem like they can they can overcome Cleary's game, man, game management. Just from a purely entertaining point of view, I really like how Melbourne play. I really like how South play. I really like how um, Mel, uh, Manly plays. I really like how... Who's the other the one I'm missing that is in the Eels? Uh, sure. oh, I did yeah, like how the Roosters play. <laughs> Penrith, thank you, it was Penrith. I really like how Penrith played, but, but there's something unattractive about the Eels' form of football. Uh, I, I can't put my finger on it because they all pretty much do the exact same block plays. And something Is it Nathan Brown? It might be, and it might be Mitchell Moses. It might be just the way that Mitchell Moses' his technique on passing. I think he throws his elbow so high that I just find that really unartistic. I don't know, the whole thing's a bit... And, and Gutherson's 
never looks like he's running very fast, even though he probably is this. I don't know. It's they're 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 like one of those seeing eye paintings where you think you're watching football, but you're not sure. And I don't know. They're they're putting me off, and that's why I'm not too interested in them winning the whole thing. Uh, but their fans have got great fans, and I'm happy for them. But just as a as a spectacle, I don't know. They're just they're killing me. But media, can you really say that that was enjoyable for you? Did you did, like actually enjoy that game? I did. I did, but that's probably more because of the Storm losing. I agree with you that the Eels aren't that interesting to watch, but I think the reason is, is something I was discussing in uh, in another forum early uh, on the weekend, is that the Eels just don't have any any player in their team that's exciting. They don't have any any one player that you're going to go out of your way to watch. Or pretty much every other team, even right. lower down teams. Look at the Tigers. I want to watch Dane Laurie. I want to watch Adam Dewey play. Yeah, the The... The Broncos, I want to see um, Payne Haas take the ball up and do something amazing. You know, mm. all the, pretty much all the worst teams, only really the Bulldogs and the Eels that I can think of off the top of my head, that there's no one that you go, oh, cool, I'm going to go watch them. You just go, oh, it's them. Well, one team that I think is kind of like that is the Titans. I really like how they're playing. Uh, and as Queensland goes, they're quite palatable. Uh, a lot of pundits saw that their form at the back of last year, plus some of their big signings this year, was going to put them probably in the finals yet again. Media Watch Mazzo, what's preventing the Titans from getting it done? It's so hard to say, isn't it? Because you see what they can do when they gel. They'll have a game where they gel, but is it just is it just that, that Ash Taylor's not that good and they need to move on from him and get someone else, but who's available? So, you know, there's not, you know, getting Luke, Luke Brooks certainly wouldn't be the answer. Mitch Pierce potentially could improve them, but he looks like he's going to the Tigers. Um, I wonder, is it their coach? All I've got is speculation, though. I just You look at them and they really are a team with the players on the board because all any team is supposed to need really is, say, three or four elite players and then make it up with a bunch of good role players. And that's enough to win a grand final for in most seasons if you get your balance right. They haven't had too many injuries. They've got those elite players, but... And even in that loss on the weekend, I don't know if anyone else noticed, but I thought it was probably the first time I'd thought David Fafida was really actually doing what he should be doing, as in getting the ball and doing some hard meters and then delivering at both ends, not just, oh, look, I'm near the try line, I'm going to score now. But I saw him do quite a few runs at his own line, at his own half that got his team moving forward. So despite him doing that improved effort, it's like, the rest of the team just sat back and went, oh, look, this is happening. Oh, let's let him do it. What Mario described at the beginning could could easily be the West Tigers as well, not the Broncos or the Bulldogs. They do have their own unique challenges, but having a team that often gels and they seem fine, but then you can't work out why. Is it the halfback? Is it coaching? That sounds exactly like how, how a lot of people would describe the Tigers. So is there a similar cultural problem there? Do they have similar problems? Is it the same solution or what, what's your vibe there, Rizzo? I don't know if we could say it's cultural at this point. They've had a, a fair changing of the guard there. In a certain sense, I think what they need to do is just go back to fundamentals. Like, I mean, one of the things we, we all kind of gave Kevin Walters a bit of shit, but, um, you know, he's just brought the Broncos game back to, to basics. And apparently all they've got them spending 80% of their time just working defense at the moment. And, you know, it's actually kind of paying dividends. Like they're, They've 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 looked a much better side at the back end of the year. They you know they, they could always attack reasonably well, um, but they just couldn't defend to save their lives. It was just awful to watch. Um, and I kind of think the Titans are in that category. It's where they've got you know some scintillating attacking players. They do have a pretty good spine. They they just really need to drill down into the basics um, and and develop a, a robust defensive structure and just drill the fuck out of it until it becomes second nature. I think. Like, you know, they are just one of those sides that they they score plenty of points. They just leak too goddamn many more. Mm. Now, Gizzo, uh, which is now what you're going to be called, Eamon, Gizzo did, um, <laughs> I only suggested cultural because uh, a friend of mine is friends with Mitch Rain and he, he once said in passing he likes playing up there because it's a lot easier. The, the lifestyle's a lot easier and, and the being a football player up there is a lot easier. And I took that immediately as a bad thing the person who was reporting it to me is a bit outside football so they thought it was a great thing and, and that Mitch was having a great time but what's your take on it yeah well I think you're right I think that's been a bit of a criticism of the Gold Coast almost since their inception um is that I guess the way that they play on the field probably does reflect the kind of transient I don't give a shit nature of the city if I was to put my finger on you know what their major problems are I think the first thing that would 
come to mind would be the need for a, a game manager. I don't think they've really had one since Scott Prince, and I think that's really hurt them. Um, it, to be honest, they should have thrown the checkbook at someone like Adam Reynolds. If they got, a, if they got an Adam Reynolds up there, that could have drastically changed things. Um, but I don't know what that plan looks like moving forward. They've got, um, obviously, Preston Campbell's son is a really exciting prospect. Mm. He doesn't bring game management, but he'll bring points. But I actually tend to agree with Xander as well with the defence. Obviously, that's been a huge issue. Um, I, I, I guess I see them a little bit in the same way as the Tigers in that I think both of those clubs have a bit of an identity issue. Um, no, Not all the clubs have to play the same style, obviously, but you have to stand for something. You have to have... It has to be clear when you're watching them or when you're playing that team that you know what that team's about. Um, you know, in years gone by for the Dogs, it was about grafting and, you know, skullduggery, um, you know, with flashier sides like the Roosters. Um, you know, often, you know, they, they'd run turkey shot over a, a team by 50 points, but if you, you took it to them in the middle, they could roll over a little bit. So there's all these sort of common traits, and I feel like, the Titans are one of those clubs that I can't for the life of me figure out what that DNA is. I don't think they have one. So the bottom line is they need to establish one quick smart and, and I guess work towards a strength and strategy of the way that they play. I think it's probably going to have to be a bigger case than just going back to fundamentals and focusing on the defense. I think they're going to actually have to go, what does this club want to be? And I'd say this, the same memo for the Tigers as well, because I don't think it's what Madge wants it to be. Um, you know, figure out what it is because, you know, some teams can go, look, we're going to be about attack and we're going to go foot on the throat stuff and it's going to be less about defence and that could work for you um, if you can score more points than your opposition like the Penrith Panthers did in 03. But at the moment, they just have a bit of an identity crisis for me. Well, it's interesting that both you and Riz both talked about going back to fundamentals because, of course, the final thing we're going to talk about tonight is that they keep almost changing the fundamentals of the game. Um and so, Jez, while you're talking, I'll get you to you talk about it. What do you, what did you hear about this new alleged rule change that they're talking about? And in fact, if there's any Cyruses out there um, who have no idea what we're talking about, maybe Jez, you could you could talk us through the proposed rule change. Great. And just for the record, I'm Jez. Am I? Am I? My nickname's now. One hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, great. Just, just officially Jez. It's yeah, Maz, Riz, and Jizz. So keep going with Excellent. that one, please. I, I pr probably prefer the other nicknames, but that's okay. Um, yeah, look, I, I, you know, it's a bit of a foolish one for anyone that's not following along at home. I believe it was proposed by the Brains Trust of Wayne Pierce uh, to essentially have a seven tackle set anytime the ball went into touch. I believe that's the rule. I'm trying to follow along myself. I mean, they, the rules do change every seven and a half minutes, so you can be forgiven for not tracking all of the rule changes. But I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a resounding rebuff of that uh, proposal from both the rugby league community, the coaches, the fans, even people who are not affiliated with the game just thought, what a fuckwit idea. And so they're not going to follow through with it, which I think is a good thing. And I just want to make it very clear to everyone listening that, of course, when it's certainly not suggesting that Wayne Jr. Pierce is a fuckwit because he is, of course, one of the greatest human beings who have ever breathed. But uh, the idea was a little maybe obscure and and repugnant is probably the vibe I'm getting from you, Brown Jizz. Xander, uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, I, I made my feelings known pretty uh, emphatically online. Um, as you guys would remember, uh, I thought it was a ridiculous idea. What Wayne Pierce's thinking was that, you know, we've already got a seven tackle set, which to me is a travesty anyway. Every time the ball goes dead, um, he goes, you know, the, his, his logic was we should just make the entire perimeter of the field a dead ball line. And that way, um, you know, it'll encourage uh, players to not try and kick the ball out to, to give their side a rest. And, you know, the, the problem with that is, you know, A, you're effectively limiting the room in the game because early kicking and the ability to turn forwards around and find the line and, and give your, your, your forwards a rest actually creates space because it creates uncertainty in um, you know, an opposition's back line, whether or not they should drop at least one winger back early to field a potential 40-20. So it, it, it both disincentivizes 40-20s um, to begin with by making the punishment for failing to mm. get them vastly worse, um, but it also just disincentivizes general kicking play to the corners like more generally because you, you're, you're basically risking an additional tackle. And, and there, there's just no logic. Like what is, what are you trying to accomplish uh, in the Xander, game? 
Can I jump in, mate? Because I, I, uh, I read this today. Um, Wayne Pierce has already rebutted um, what you're saying there about the disincentive for the 4020. He said, if you happen to land it, you will earn $100,000 cash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, Media Watch, you and I are, are quite or fans of American sports as well. And there's one thing that they do extremely well is that they try to eliminate fatigue as much as possible. They love seeing their athletes at their absolute greatest heights of, of lack of fatigue so that they can do the greatest possible things. So basketball has a lot of timeouts. There's uh, free throws where everyone's catching their breath, things like that. Obviously, the NFL has a huge amount of stoppages. So everyone is at the height of the thing. And baseball is a, is a you know ridiculously slow game at the best of times anyway. So they they love stoppage. They don't want this kind of stuff. And, and one great thing that often happens in rugby league is when you see teams start to work a clock and, and kicking it out, you see a change in strategy because they're trying to now work the clock is that something that you'd also enjoy seeing in rugby league and, and that you would rather see less fatigue and, and more of an American style thing? Or what's your take on it? I agree with you completely that I just think what if we have an 80 minute game, let's play for 80 minutes of ball in play. And if the ball goes out, yeah, we don't need to rush. And we, if you're that desperate for fatigue, then just don't have as many interchanges or something like that like I, the whole fatigue thing such a freaking myth anyway you know good players are going to be good players and they're going to they're going to make gaps and as you say imagine if nba was suddenly all about fatigue and then lebron james is not going to be the greatest anymore because his fitness isn't going to match a ben simmons but the fact is he is a bloody better player than ben simmons and and he should be rewarded for for his abilities and you know having a few stoppages here and there to let people like him and joel and bead get a rest is a is a good thing and why are we trying to, to hamstring Tao Malolo and David Fafita and people like that just so we can, you know, do this myth of getting the little guy back into the game as if Ben Barber 2012 never happened? Yeah, actually, that's a great point. Um, and, and also, you are an absolute pillar of rugby league Twitter. What was the temperature of the community? It was almost unanimously just absolute, a mix between incredulity and fury. People were just going absolutely crazy it was just the dumbest rule change i've ever seen proposed i mean we've got some dumb rules and mostly the whole <laughs> six again thing they've started to phase it back without telling anyone they're doing it which i'm all for I'm, i think the quality of games the last three weeks have been vastly improved on the rest of the year because of that very obvious change they've made by having a few more penalties and a few fewer six agains but this one there's just there's just absolutely no logic behind it. It just would have been horrible. I mean, most sensible people I know all agree that we should reduce the amount of seven tackle sets, such as, you know, if you are doing an attacking kick into the goal and your player charges through and, you know, put grounds it on the dead ball line, meaning they've missed a, a spectacular try by a millimetre, why the hell are we punishing that? But so to punish mm. a really good kick, and maybe I'm biased because, you know, there's probably the two best exponents of kicking for touch from a long way out are going to be Reynolds and Daly Cherry Evans. So, you know, I'm, I'm, my team benefits from that, but. And Moy Moy. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> it was very good. I mean, oh my God, that Adam Reynolds kick on the weekend was absolutely incredible, but, but you know, that was, that's an aside. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense. Let's, let's reward skillful play. I mean, we talk about Andrew Johns and, and, um, uh, Ricky Stewart and you know Cooper Cronk, the great the great halfbacks of yesteryear, and that sort of a rule would just make their the games of those absolute greats of the game significantly less effective. I've just remembered two things while media was um, talking. I promise I was listening. Media Watch. One of them was I can't believe that Ryan Pappenhausen from a 20, 20 meter tap tried to kick a twenty forty. That was incredible. And the other thing was Nathan Cleary's kicking at goalposts as hard as he fucking could would just look mm. incredible. It reminded me so much of Joey Johns. Um, they're my two both bits of uh, general business. Is there anything that anybody else to have in general business before I tie it all up? Well, I think just with the Pappenhausen, I believe um, that's just a rule, right? From a tap restart, if you kick and it goes into touch, you'll get the ball back wherever Correct. it goes. Um, so I think that has to be in play for it to be a 2040. But I love the fact that it was ballsy. I think it was Braithard Astra commentating. Someone was giving him a lot of shit for trying it. And I'm like, it was worth a shot. Like he wasn't that far off and they'll be behind and they needed the ball. Back. He was giving them shit. I think because he hadn't told anyone the chase was no good, but no, I, I, I agree with you. That was actually one of the ones that I want to raise as well. Is I kind of, I want to incentivize more of those 
kinds of kicks, right? Like, I mean, we've talked about it before, but like the 2040, nobody tries it ever because it's so hard to pull off. I mean, if anything, I almost want to incentivize it more by making it the 25th. Um, and it was just good to see, you know, at least somebody try it. So, yeah, I think we should incentivize more of that. Well, that's all the time we've got for you, Tacklers. Happy Father's Day for all those straight up dads, to fur dads, to deadbeat dads, to father figures, and to the ladies who identify as dads. We appreciate the work you're doing and hope your respective families make you feel loved. Until next time, just do what Racing's PVL would do. Order a pizza with a number of unusual topping changes on it while himself having no intention of eating it. Bye for now. Do you do a bye for now? I, try, I can never actually remember how you wrap up, so I just leave it in case. Yeah, no. Just leave, usually to do the loom. Just leave an awkward There's a bass line playing underneath me. To do the loom. loom. Awkward silence. It's underrated, Xander, as a way to end any conversation. Um, even well, if it's a professional one, if you're, in a, if you're in a business meeting, you know, just wrap it up with pussy lips. And just walk out <laughs> like that. Um, I think you'll find life life's a whole lot better and you'll get you'll actually get the respect you need in the workplace doing that. Yeah, okay. Bags up. Murray, you, you try that, that's from the book of Kerry Packer. Did you guys see the um the guy doing the triple J best band, Aussie bands of the nineties thread? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they had fucking they had killing Heidi up against someone. It was absolute bullshit. I felt annoyed straight away. I voted through that one thing. And then once I saw Killing Heidi getting stitched, I got annoyed. I got really annoyed about that and I posted about it. And then I got banned by a bunch of absolute gronks who just wanted to froth over whatever other band it was, which is fine. They can, uh, oh, what was it? Um, oh. It was the Super Jesus, I think, as well. And Killing yeah, Heidi. Yeah, both Super Jesus also um, got poleaxed by. But in the end, I mean, oh, the right bullshit. two bands, as much as I'm not a Silver Chair fan, the right two bands got through to the final. And last I saw, Powderfinger were a good 4% ahead, which was making me very happy. Uh, I didn't watch the whole thing. So was it good after the um, after that initial round? Oh, I, I forgot about round. the middle rounds, but the Whitlam's, me too. the Whitlam's pushed Silver Chair right to the limit. I saw after the vote was finished and they it was 51 to 49, I think. So super close. And I would have been very happy to see the Whitlam's make it through to the end, but wasn't to be. Yeah. Jesus, Mario, way to make everything sound like a footy match. <laughs> <laughs> Pushed them right to the end, 49-51. It was almost a golden point. Hey, yeah. you, you know what I'm like with Twitter polls. I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm actually mildly impressed. We went for a whole rugby league podcast and didn't mention Lachlan Lewis's alleged theft. Oh, That's yes. Great oh, yeah, that fuck. hilarious. <laughs> oh, fuck. We're still yeah. recording. Please just chuck that in at the end and sound smart. Well, okay, we'll actually, do you it. Can so, just, so I'll have my pregnant pause. You had, no, no, no. There was a pregnant pause and then you just say, hey, we went the whole way through without talking. <laughs> no, but like, don't you guys think that's the, one of the most bizarre thefts you've ever heard? I mean, it's a bizarre item. And I remember thinking, well, I guess Lachlan Lewis, people might go, okay, well, you know, you're, you're a really lowly paid player. You're probably not earning more than a KFC drive-thru worker. Let, let, him, <laughs> let him steal some speakers. But then, then Xander pointed out to me that he was putting them on eBay. He was actually selling them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that's just asking to get caught, isn't it? It's 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 an implicit fuck you to the, the the club, surely. Like, I mean, you know, I think he even had his face there. I don't, can't say that for sure, but I assume that <laughs> that's how he was recognised. <laughs> what concerned what what <laughs> yeah. me about it was if he's that desperate for a couple of hundred bucks, I'm quite worried that the poor guy's got some gambling issues or something like that. I, I, that's oh, just a speculation, shit. but. Who, like why else would someone? He's he's a he's a first grade player. He's got to be on one hundred and fifty grand a year, and he's got some you know well off family members. If he really got hard up for him to need a few hundred bucks that badly in a hurry and to put himself in that position, I just find it a little bit concerning that it's either you know gambling or something worse. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I heard man. he's on more. Too. I thought he was on like four hundred and fifty k. Is one of the stories I read. So he, there you go. He's um he's. He's not doing too badly, and as you said, yeah, like it's. It, I mean, as far as rugby league scandals go, it it, it reads like an onion headline. Oh, um, yeah, actually, you know, like just... you know what else happened in the um two since we last recorded was 
Millie Boyle and um, Adam Elliott. <laughs> yeah. What I yeah, really loved good one. about that was the absolute units on Twitter going on about, oh, she where's the equality? She should be punished just the same as him. Totally ignoring that he earns about eight times as much as her and that he's a full-time employee of NRL. And has priors. And has many priors, albeit some of his priors, I think, were absolute beat-ups and, you know, no pun intended on one of them, um, that, that really shouldn't have been, <laughs> really shouldn't have been as big an issue as they were made out. I think it's one of the more wholesome stories. You know, she just, she went into the bathroom for a snog and for some reason he had, he decided to take his shirt off to snog in a dirty public bathroom and, and that's okay. You know, who are we to judge? I, I, yeah. I'm with you, Mario. I, I think Adam Elliott falls into uh, the category of almost your Todd Carney, where you look at the prize and you go, oh, yeah. Like, you know, I don't think he's had too many really major ones unless I'm missing one. But the one that I remember taking real umbrage with was when, you know, he got stood down and fined for a mad Monday where the journos were going through the, the yeah. garbage bins and spying on them with a telescopic lens from another exactly. building. Disgusting. They're the guys committing the crime, surely. That's, per, that's perversion. I mean, if you did that from a tree, you'd be arrested as a peeping Tom. I mean, it still technically counts as a public setting, which is why it's not illegal, but it's still the building he was in was still privately owned. So I would think that doesn't make it count as a public setting. I, I'm certainly not a lawyer, so who knows? But all I would want to say is if Millie Boyle, you know, if I'm in a position where I'm Adam Elliott, if Millie Boyle wants to go take me somewhere to make out with me, I'm never saying no to that. That, that woman's gorgeous. Yeah, she is, yeah. and she's and she's got like fairly big shoulders too, so she could definitely do the rough stuff fine, which is <laughs> another advantage. Um, I, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I feel like Lachlan Lewis shouldn't have went like straight for the speakers and the club infrastructure. He should have just attempted to sell off club, like Trent Barrett and done the actual club a favour. Um, you know, there's so many things at the Bulldogs you could sell off. Obviously, you wouldn't get a lot of money for it. They did sell off Karen Holland. I think they got $8 for him. Um, but yeah. Well, you yeah. could sell off a used footy jersey or something and some boots, just stick them on a, a thing and just, you know, get a 100 bucks or 200 bucks for a footy jersey. I'm sure he's got plenty of those. No, yeah. but the problem is you get all these people on footy smiles showing you the players give them away for free, mate. You can't sell them anymore. You've got to give them to a charity or a kid yeah. sitting in the crowd. I'll tell you what, yeah. charities ruin everything, don't they, T? Yeah, I'm telling you, mate. Um, the only other thing I'll say about the Millie Boyle thing mm-hmm. is um, she was excellent on Instagram explaining her side of the story and, and and whatnot and also clearing up a whole bunch of shit that Buzz had said that was completely incorrect. Yep. Um, but I agree. Everything was uh, consensual. They're both, I mean, I want to say reasonably attractive. I'm sure he has a great rig um, if he trains that much. And, and I'm, I'm sure we've all seen that he's, He's doing well with his package, so or at least compared to mine. So the um, I completely understand why they both want to do it. It's just a shame that you know they both got stung for being stupid in public. Uh, the speaker thing, though, fuck me. I don't know what you're going to do. Maybe they're selling condoms as well. Maybe he needs to buy those next time instead of selling speakers. Two, two things for you, T. Uh, Buzz Rothfield, I, I hereby declare that he's, instead of calling him Buzz, we call him what Xander called him a few weeks ago, which was Booze Cheeks. Uh, when he couldn't remember <laughs> yeah. his names. I feel like Boo's Cheeks should be his handle going forward. And I, I just got a question for the panel. I'm genuinely interested. Uh, the Bulldogs next year, do you guys think they, uh, they'll be a genuine threat or not? Like I hope not for the sake of the Tigers. I think they're going to be, they're going to be much <laughs> improved. The, 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 the movement, the, the people they're, they're bringing in, um, both from playing and coaching standpoint, uh, it's... It, speaks to a big shift that's going, I think. They're going to have much better systems in place. Um, you know, Gus does know what he's doing, and so does Steve Hansen. Um, and then the, the talent they're bringing in is all well-targeted. I think they're going to be, they're going to be a, a, a dangerous... I think they're bringing the in Mario's favourite player, Corey Horsburgh. <laughs> yeah, but he's only on loan. Mario think, loves him. I think if they were to get... Like, Ryan James is apparently unwanted at the Raiders. I think if they keep him, he, he actually looks pretty good. Because um, they're still a bit light mm. in the forwards to actually contend for the top eight, in my opinion. But I think they'll be a sort of team that'll be around about. So I don't see them coming last next year. But although Trent Barrett is a very gifted coach at running teams down, so I still have faith in his ability. 
Hey, mate, they've got Paul Vaughan, which I genuinely believe is a good acquisition, so long That's as he's true. not organised the barbecues. And Pangai Jr. I mean, the thing about someone like Pangai Jr. is his untapped potential. I, I feel as though if the right coach or he was managed the right way or he decided that he wanted to be better, he could be the best forward in the game. But it's a personality issue with him and you're never quite sure what you're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. I think the most important forward acquisition for, for that team would be to have not Dylan Napper. Yeah, isn't he off? Haven't they got I, rid of him or is I, he going to be there so. next year? Yeah, I think I think that's the case. So oh. I think that's almost their biggest improvement as a team is not picking him in the team each week mm. will be a huge difference. They're certainly going to have the backs. Uh, I, wait and see how Matt Burton can go leading a team around. But, you know, they, they've got the... They're the sort of team that could finish 14th still, but they could be finishing seventh. I mean, we just we just don't know. I mean, who the hell saw Canberra being as irrelevant as they've turned out to be this year? And this whole only six teams in the comp thing has been it's been a surprise. It's we've never had such a big differential between the haves and the haves nots that I can remember. Although you say that with Canberra, but they're making a very late resurgence of sorts, aren't they? I mean, they don't look like they're devastating, and you'd imagine they're not going to compete with the best teams, but. You just don't know with them. I feel like they are a little bit. They're not an absolute also ran. I think that they they could pull something out of the fire when the whips are cracking. Um, I agree. But they have been pretty pretty deplorable this year, though. Who are they fighting for the eight spot down there? I know Newcastle locked it in. Sharks. So it's Canberra. Sharks and Titans. Oh, Sharks. Mm, the Sharks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the Canberra should be on the same level as the Titans and Sharks. Sharks have yeah, Storm yeah, this yeah. weekend and Storm are probably less like, well, Bellamy straight up said he's not resting anyone now because of that Eels loss. He doesn't want to mm. take any risk of handing the minor premiership off to Penrith. So you'd think that that should rule the Sharks out, even though they're currently in eighth and they have got the best four and against. So there's still a chance if they can keep the Storm to a decent score. Um, Raiders have got the Roosters. I mean, are the, are the Roosters still trying at this point? Like, are they going to? Because everything, the way it's gone, who knows? Like, that's a really hard game to pick. And um, yeah. Gold Coast are facing Warriors. They should, Gold Coast should win that, but they'd have to win by enough to catch what, a 23 point differential on Cronulla. So, you know, that Xander, could be quite interesting. Uh, do you agree with me here, Xander? Do you feel as though the Roosters probably at this point should undergo a rebrand? A bit like Prince, should we be the club formerly known as the Roosters? Because there's no one really who started the year is playing with us still. There's about three guys. It's like watching Dire Straits without Mark Knopfler. You know, it's just not the like, same thing. I think like a rebrand makes a bit of sense, actually. I kind of like the idea of like the new Coke. You know, we, we call it new, new Roosters um, because we know we're going to suck and everyone's going to want Roosters Classic next year. 